Uh, welcome. Uh, this is Chase. Uh, welcome to the Honest Table. Super excited today. Uh, we have a very, very, very special guest, Kellen Carpenter, and he is going to be sharing his story of just the overall personal evolution. It's a story that is reminiscent of change, self-worth, self-love, self-preservation, self-doubt, and we're grateful enough uh, to have a friend that will come on and actually uh, share the story. It's, it's, not, it's not a story for the faint of heart by any means, uh, but I don't think any stories that have any type of meaning are for the faint of heart. There's a lot of tears and there's a lot of struggle and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and uh, Kellen's story is all of the above. So just enjoy and we're gonna start. So start with your story. Where were you uh, 14 years ago? So 14 years ago, um I was sitting in a garage, um, wanting to be a band kid, and uh, my mom and dad were kind of like, I'd just kind of gotten out of high school with a deal going on with that, and they were kind of saying like, hey, it's time to get a job, and so uh, I went and tried to do the uh, GED thing, got my GED, and then went and tried to do a semester of the college, and I was like, just not feeling it. And so my mom was just like super fancy. And so uh, she always got her hair done in all these different places. And so uh, I would go with her to get her hair done. And this man, his name's Jerry, he would uh, just talk to me about like 17 year old kid, like, what do you want to do? You know, and I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. And they would laugh, you know, and I think that he probably could see some artistic side of me or something that he could see that maybe was in himself or some sort of art, artsy side or whatever. And so uh, him and my mom were talking and uh, I guess that he or her had pitched the idea of maybe me becoming a hairstylist. So long story short, uh, my mom and dad were like, you gotta get a real job. I was like, I don't wanna do this. So my mom pitched the idea of me doing hair. I think about it for like two weeks. I'm like, ah, I don't wanna do that. They take me down to Ogle and I love it. So uh, graduate from hair school, leave there. I join uh, this big salon, love it, get some great education, have some huge uh, life adventures and times with these people, uh, date a few different people. And then um, that's probably like a good five or six years kind of of just things going on right there. And then I end up meeting the love of my life at the most recent salon. And then, um, but really 14 years of all that was 14 years of just saying yes. And 14 years of saying yes to things that I really didn't know was putting a noose around my neck. Yep. And so like the long story short of it was, I was just having a good time. And uh, I like to use the word wannabe rock star because I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be a musician. My first love was music. like every part of me, the way I dressed, the way I, you know, I could like hear these theme songs in my head of places that I would go and like the music that would play. And I was that person, you know, and, uh, but 14 years of wanting to be a rock star also led to things that I didn't know what went behind being a rock star. And yep. it really put a noose around my neck. So I started partying without like even thinking about it, you know what I mean? And, uh, Next thing I knew, I was super sick. Yep. Now, so from from a sense of partying, what is that sense? What was that to you? I think it was just like part of it. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to party, and I thought that that's what went along with it, and I didn't have to answer to anybody, so it didn't matter what I did, you know, and. It was kind of who I thought I was, and yeah. it wasn't who I was, but it was just, I guess I just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Or thought that I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, put on a show that you didn't give a fuck? Well, it was, I was uh, already in the band thing and doing, you know, actor on stage, you know, and then I'd become the hairstylist, and with that part of being a hairstylist is accompanying like who sits in your chair you know to make the money and I'm not saying like being a fucking fake but like 
you know, I did what I needed to do to make the money in between there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just uh, like became this chameleon like yep. creature making money and then it just led up to this giant festering problem that I really just never knew was really happening. But like, I think that's the sense of it is you never really know you're in it when you're fucking in it. Yeah. Well, like, so like touching on that just even a little bit more is the, like you talked about dealing dealing with clients and dealing, then you're dealing with people outside of those clients, right? People that you consider friends and then people outside of that, you're Our dealing family. with family. Yeah. Um, how much of that human interaction between the person you had to be with clients and even even like hairstyling, it's even it's even harder, right? Because your clients from hour to hour are not even close to the same personalities. So there's certain things you can get away with with this one, and there's certain things you can't get away with this one. So you're only giving a little bit of yourself, and then you're putting a little bit of mask on with each. And then what do you get outside of that? You have friends that think you're this person, or you just happen to be that person. Oh, it's like you, you've been all these people all day long to all these other people, and then you get out of the salon and like you're just so fucking tired, you know? And then like your friends are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And you're just, you're just kind of like, I gotta come down almost like a drug from being all these other people, yeah. you know what I mean? And then like once you come down, then like you're that person to those people. But like my friends that really know me, like, they know that that's what's going to happen to me. You know what I mean? And in the relationships that I've been in, they know that like um, my wife and I are hairdressers. So like, kind of we know that that's what's going to happen after work. We kind of have this like, uh, and then it crashes at the end of the work. And then we have to like come down and do our thing. And then like, we can talk to each other. But like, it, it just made me like, I, just a crazy fucking actor of some, almost like a, Manipulate. I've just been completely manipulated by my job. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that the job itself and what you wanted to be perceived as drove what that span of time looked like before you got sick? I think that's kind of like with when you're like in it, and you don't even know you're in it. Like even talking about it, like you just start saying all these things that like you're saying and you don't even know you're hardly even saying them because you've realized that you were in that position. You know what I mean? Like you're then like saying the things that you're you're like, oh my God, this is the things that I'm saying right here are exactly the things that I was in that I didn't even know I was saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it drove me just to um, like, I literally felt like I was just see like even right now I'm baffled by even the question. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it because you were you were in it? And I think that's that's here. I go right back to it. Is when you're in it, you don't even know you're in it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like a drug. Like you're doing drugs and you don't even know that you have a drug problem. And all of a sudden you're a druggie, and then like every day revolves around doing the things that you're doing, and then you're stuck in it. You know, and then I just sometimes even with that question, like I could go and say those. I could go and have a different answer for it every time almost. That did. So when you're in it and you don't know that you're actually in it, what other things influence that? Like how, how is that, how do you go from one level of in it to the next level of in it? Because there's levels in everything, right? So you, you start at a point and then you go to the next level. I'm, I'm a proper person that like I only feed off of the next level. So like every time I got to a level, I had to get to a next level. And every time I did something else, I had to double the next thing that I did. And every time I did it, it was bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it was like in every uh, weekend part of me or whatever, you know, and then it was just a part of me. And then it was like what I'm saying is when you don't know you're in it and you're in it. But I, I was just it was just who I was and it was just a part of this. And then all of a sudden you've got all these levels of in it and then it comes to the point where something's happening and yeah. that's where I get to is I get to this point of all of these levels of not knowing what the fuck is going on because I've just said yes, 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 yes to everything because there wasn't somebody over me telling me no and I didn't have to answer to fucking somebody else and it didn't fucking matter. 
And so I was just doing my thing, making my money. Uh, what were you going to say? I don't give a shit. I'm fucking high as shit. Who gives a fuck? You like it. You're paying me to look like this. Like, yeah, I was just this actor. And that, and it's like when you don't know you're in it, you're in it. You know, and it was just just giant fucking tornado. So in that, in that, in that circumstance, right, of what you had as your goals, okay, in in that scenario, right? Did you feel like you were accomplishing your goals? Yeah, because like I was, I was meeting my clientele's obligation. Like they were happy and. Uh, they expected me to have some crazy weird story of what had happened to me from the weekend or whatever. And I was just like gonna kind of make money on like doing my job because I was good at it, but then just kind of throwing in my little story and putting the hook in their mouth at the same time. And like, not only did you get a good hairstyle and job, but you got this like comedic story at the same time and people just loved me for it. Yeah. And that, and that just continued. It but it grew and grew and grew. It grew and it was like you said, it was like, it wasn't not a part of me because it was like, it wasn't a bad version of me. I wasn't like some evil person or something, no. but like, I just was manifesting into this thing where you don't know you're in it and you're in it. And then it's just building and building and building to like this giant fucking problem. Yeah. And then it's a giant fucking problem. Well, I mean, that shit, in all honesty, right? There was times, because we've known you for a fucking long time, Right. Uh, you've never ever been a bad person, right? You've you're, you've always been a very good human being, regardless of the circumstance that you were in at the time, right? Um, but there was times that it was Kellen was good today, right? Yeah. Kellen wasn't good today. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? It was just a punch bowl. Yeah, very much so. And how does? How does that work in the in the levels? You know what I mean? Like how, like, because you noticed it. Well, it doesn't work in the level of business because people get tired of seeing it, you know, and then they don't want to come and be around it. So they don't come anymore or they like seeing the destruction or they feel sorry for you. So like that part of it to my career, I think it was like entertainment to myself and people and it just worked. Yeah. Do you think anybody ever took, uh, do you think people looked at it and ever took, not advantage, but really, uh, I'm glad I'm not there perspective and almost sought enjoyment out of it? I think now, like in that destructive piece? I think now being where I am now after approaching a year sober today, like seeing the conversations that I have with my existing friends, old clients or whatever, just like listening to the stories that they'll tell me that like I had no clue about or whatever. It's kind of shocking, a little bit embarrassing too, but like at the same time, it's like shaped me to be who I am. So I just kind of chalk it up to what it is. They accepted that of me anyway. So it wasn't like they were shaming me of it, but they would just be like, you, you remember this or whatever. And I'd be like, Oh shit. Yeah. But so you run, you ran the gamut, right? Hard for a long fucking time. And I, I knew you were accomplishing the goals that you wanted to accomplish in that time frame. You yeah. were. Yeah. I mean, you were achieving the success you wanted to achieve. And uh, in your mind, you were becoming the person you wanted to become, right? Um, so... You were meeting the people you wanted to fucking meet. How does how did that play a role? Well, I mean, I think it definitely puts me in a position where I love where I am now, but probably if like sitting back from it now, witnessing an eye that I have at it now, that I would say that those people probably weren't the best for me. Mm. You know what I mean? But in the other sides of it, I met some of the people like y'all that I have a, almost a 20-year relationship with now that... Um, have been with me through thicks and thins and stood by my side, you know what I mean? So there's just, it's an ebb and it's a flow, it's a yin, it's a yang, it's a a situation like I'm gonna go back to that you never know that you're in when you're in it. Yeah. And then you're in it. What, so you're in it and 
you run the gamut and you run it hard. Where was your rock bottom? When did you personally feel like you hit the bottom? Um, probably not personally. The, the absolute bottom, when I think bottom, is um, I had already been in the hospital a while. I'd already had a couple of surgeries. It's probably like three or four surgeries in, you know, and it's like a surgery, uh, come home, recover, then like days of weeks of like being able to move, then get you get to put your stock on and then another surgery or whatever, you know. And um, I remember one night, um, it was late, Courtney was, she always stayed up and I think she was at the point where she just needed sleep or whatever. She was unusually not up, she was asleep. And I just, uh, I just got down in the floor completely naked and I just laid there and it was silent and I knew that nobody was gonna help me. There wasn't anything that I could bargain with that was gonna fix the situation that I was in. And I realized then that I was at complete rock bottom and there was absolutely nothing that I could do about it besides point the finger at myself. Is that the first time you'd ever pointed the finger at yourself? I think that was the first time where I realized like the situation that I was in was officially grave, like where yeah. I was in trouble. Not that I was like, you know, on the, you got, you know, he's gonna get the shock paddles or something out, but I was sick. Yeah, very sick. And <laughs> obviously, you know, but sicker than I even thought. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my that was my rock bottom, but it was after some gnarly things that already happened where I just was still kind of being myself like, fuck it, it's gonna go away. I'm good, you know, like trying to shuff it off, you know, and then it just started spiraling and it was like the parachute got wrapped around me and then I was just tangled in it and then it was Ooh. just here we go. Yeah, because it was continuous. Right? I mean, yeah, it was I mean, like, like nine surgeries or something. Here's a surgery. Yeah, back yeah. to day. I mean it was continuous. So. So at any of those, like you had the nine surgeries, right? And you had the point that you were finally pointing at yourself. Yeah, and this was like nine surgeries over like a year and a half, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was not just like months of this. It was like a year and a half of me officially having to like stop trying to find a way to point the finger at somebody else and officially point at myself. Like I got to the point of just wallowing in it and just, that was it. Was well, it. I mean, you didn't have a fucking choice. No, it was, you have a choice. Well, the choice was this is, uh, kill myself, which I was gambling already doing or, uh, trying for once. Yeah. And I never fucking try. I would three-fourths everything, get up to the point of like killing it, killing it, killing it, and be like, I just, I'm good at it. I don't want to do it no more. And I'd fucking half-ass everything. And like always got away with half-assing everything and just always got away with it. And I couldn't get away with this one. But yeah, and it's, you know, so for, for people listening, when we talk about sick, right? You did hear that he went through nine surgeries in a year and a half, right? Yeah. All in relationship to Kid kidneys. Kidney stones. Yeah. And ultimately through the 14 years, you just fucked yourself up. Yeah. Just like I said earlier, just a situation of saying yes to bad choices of food or never drinking water or thinking that like tea had enough water in it or Gatorade or all these like athletic drinks that were just poisoning me and uh, just wasn't hydrated. I wasn't healthy. I was medicated on blood pressure medicine at 21. So I already had like a natural diuretic in my system. So like super fucking dehydrated. And uh, if you don't remember, EDM had come out during that massive amount of time. So we were all rolling all the time. And so I was just dehydrated all the time. And uh, it led to me having a 22 millimeter kidney stone and I had two or three lithotripsies to get it out. I got an eight week clearance and was still acting the full and showed up with a 44 millimeter kidney stone, 44 millimeters, 1.25 centimeters. Maybe you can correct me on the exact sizing, but it was big as fuck. And so six surgeries then to get that out 
And uh, about the third or fourth, I had some kidney trouble where they went in and sewed a neurostomy, don't quote me on the medical terms, a tube to my back and it was draining all the plumbing out the front to the back. And then I had to dump all my bodily functions out of bag for like three months. And I'm a pretty vain person as far as the way that I look. So I had to manipulate a pee bag to my clothing and yeah. we wear skinny jeans. So uh, that's real cool looking with a piss bag on your side. So there was many moments of like, fuck, fuck, or rock bottom, but there was nobody that I could like blame it on anymore, yeah. you know, or I, I couldn't say anything or like, it was officially like just looking me straight in the face. So you, when you, uh, you talked about, uh, the doing things like three quarter, right. And never giving it a go full 100% that you could put into it. Why do you think you were okay with three quartering everything? I really, you know, like the answer of why would, I don't know why it was always okay for me to just three quarter everything, but it was like, uh, I'd always gotten away with it just by the way that I was brought up. You know what I mean? I would fucking get away with little bullshit, you know, and mama always did everything for me or whatever. I was just a fucking brat, dude. Yeah. And I got away with it. And I was good at the majority of the things, not bragging, but that I did. And yeah. could build it up enough to where three-fourths of the way get good at something, at everything. Three-fourths of the way get good at guitar. Three-fourths of the way get good at skating. Three-fourths of the way get good at motocross. Three-fourths of the way get good at hair. And that was good enough. Fuck it. And I was making money at it. I was doing I was all these different things. It was like this giant actor. Maybe in like some weird past life, I was some kind of actor or drummer or... 80s hairband well you say fucking actor you know but like the reality is is that's fucking human interaction at this point you know and it's probably been human interaction for fucking ever I was just trying to figure out who I was yeah and it's it's hard to not put on a facade well, when you don't fucking well, know I liked music and I liked punk rock and I just wanted to be like the cool kid and the cool kid almost chewed me up yeah. But I was trying to find myself, but all of this into that makes this huge thing now, which is the most beautiful gift that I've ever been given. And I'm so happy today to be where I'm at and be a year sober and be here with this and even having this conversation with you. Because I, well, a year ago today, I was leaving Cleveland at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and was on a plane here with a 44 millimeter kidney stone and like having a meltdown in the plane, like thinking, how am I gonna make it from Cleveland to DFW and like having panic attacks and my body was like ripping from the fucking rind, dude, and uh, ended up at the hospital and my doctor had fired me because my situation was so like advanced to him and I'd gotten sent to a specialist in Dallas and it was on and it was it was running all right so when you made it back and you had that large of a stone you had been fired from your doctor how did that resonate with you? Pretty much at the end of it, with coming back, and the doctor was like, we're done here. And I'd already kind of knew that I'd like not stop doing the things that I was doing. Yeah. So it was just building up to this problem, leading up to this giant catalyst to here we were, you know? And so I go to the new specialist and he's like, you got a 44 millimeter kidney stone, like it's filling up the whole mouth of your bladder. Every time, like, I would go to the bathroom and then put my stuff up and then turn and I would pee my pants. And so like the stone was so big on the inside of me that like it would just move as my body moved and stuff. So they were immediately like, we got to get this out or whatever. They pitched me like three or four different surgery options. Um, 
I just pretty much said to the dude, which Dr. Achari, he's, I say anybody, go to this man. He is like a godsend or whatever. But uh, I said, what would you do if I was your son? And he just said this. And so we started working at it and uh, started getting it done. And three or four surgeries in, it got a little complicated, which we weren't expected to have that happen. And uh, blow through that and pretty much get on the downside. They start taking all the utensils that they had you know, let me have to take home inside of me and they go and take all those out. And then uh, I started getting healthy. I started getting sober and I started like listening to everything they were saying because what was going on inside of me was like, I had calcium issues and stuff like that I had no clue about. So it was related to the food and all of these things, you know, so I had to start at ground zero, remove everything and start putting little pieces in at a time to start seeing if it was gonna work. And I was having all these blood tests and I mean, it was just like, I was a giant examining block of what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Well, and it's, we were talking before we started was like how change is perceived and a lot of people wait, right? For something to happen or we were talking about how potentially people see as change being forced upon you know and, and change is something that's it's never ever it's never ever forced right you went through some shit right and you had choices you didn't have to make the choice to do what you're doing now right um just like 10 years ago you didn't have to make the choices that you made to get where you are. Uh, change is hard and change is hard in a dynamic situation because it, everything is constantly moving, right? Everything is always dynamic and a lot of things is viewed as static. And so if you keep things in a static mode, how do you treat things dynamically, like things in motion? So what did you put in play in order to make we talk about like the small changes. What were the small changes? How do you start integrating that from where you were at? Oh man, it started from as simple as getting home from the surgeries and um, different movements off the couch. And then like even getting to put your sock on, like I was saying, you know, and then strides from that was like, uh, I lived on like a third floor loft or whatever, so I couldn't go down three floors of stairs, you know, so like three months of the surgeries, I had to stay upstairs. So I couldn't even go, I couldn't go outside, couldn't go nowhere. I was stuck in this spot because I couldn't go down the stairs or whatever. So I uh, started going and making a stairwell, you know, and then making another one. And then uh, started realizing then like, you know, there was a diet issue too. So uh everybody was having to bring me food so i just stopped saying uh don't bring me this don't bring me that and just started making healthier choices in different directions like just small things so like dude i'm just not gonna fucking eat waterburger yeah okay and then I'm like, okay well stop eating all the red meats and stuff and be like well i'm just gonna eat chicken you know what i mean and i just moved over to chicken and started eating chicken and eggs and turkey and threw out all the other bullshit that i was eating because it fucking made me feel like shit and every time I ate queso or any of the good stuff made me feel like shit, throw that out. Like, I didn't have anything else to do besides sit there and think about how I felt anyway. So I'd be like, eat that, makes me feel like shit, no. Yeah. And so I just started making little, like little things, like just by making small choices like that were bigger because then it put me in a position like I'm in now where I would never imagined to be. Well, and that's what I feel like is, is amazing about your story is We've talked about it in a few podcasts. People get so caught up in the big fucking picture, right? They go, this is me now. This is where I want to fucking be, right? And they want to get to where the fuck they want to be next day. And they don't ever see the journey or the small little victories that they're taking, right? So they lose faith and they quit. And... I think a lot of the reasons why people don't make changes that they know are good for them is because of how hard it's going to be, right, to get to where they want to be. But if they just said, this is what I'm going to change tomorrow, right, and I'm going to try to do that for a week, right, 
this is what I'm going to change the following week. And I'm going to do that shit for a week. You didn't have much of a choice but to focus on the small wins. You know what I mean? Because you were growing in small victories at a time. You weren't able to go, this is what my lifestyle is today, right? I'm going to stop that lifestyle and I'm going to move to this. You had to be able to put your sock on nine different fucking times. Yeah, it kind of kept coming. And I think that was a good thing for me is the kidney stone itself was bigger than me. And it was officially at that point where I had always three-fourths everything, made it around everything. And this was the first, like, big thing that I couldn't get around. And it was bigger than me. And it put me in my place. And, uh, like, with what you're talking about, I'll go, like, just, like, little strides with people trying to make those strides. But if you're already living in that hell in your head, like, going out and making little things like that, it's easier than the hell that you're already living in in your head. How long did it, so how, that's a, it's a huge statement to make because a lot of people, it's, it's hard not to get wrapped up in your mind, right? Your mind is ultimately the reason why you do the shit that you're doing, whether positive or negative. Yeah. How hard was it to change that mindset to go from this is who I was, to this is who I want to be? Well, in my situation, you know, the I was living in a real fucking hell, you know, and then like thought I was, and then like the dark nights would come when I realized I was really living in a real fucking hell. And then like having to withdraw from all the things that I'd done to myself, plus the medication that the hospital had given me, like I was like spinning in a fucking hell and still like working to be sober. So like with that being said, it was the shit that I was going through was way easier than not eating fucking chips or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I was like, shit. It made those steps even easier. Whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, okay, so we're not going to do that, but you, you go put your headphones on and go for a walk today. Okay. You can't run. Nobody starts running a fucking mile. The first time I ran a mile, it took me like 19 minutes. To run the mile? To run the mile, dude. I was like out there puking through my fingers and... Um, now after 40 weeks of working out with my trainer and friends, I'm, I can run like a, on my own pace, I can run like an eight minute and 45 second mile. In 40 weeks? 40 weeks. So in 40 weeks, you, you went from small gains of being able to, that bending over was a cool thing. Yeah. It just... I mean, that's insane. It's insane, but... In my head, though, like I'm saying, the, the hell that you live in in your head is so much more intense than even what I was physically going through. So I just was, and plus what I was going through was gnarly. Like I was in like severe amounts of pain, like pain that I'd never even felt in my life. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I was pretty tortured by both. So like even with that being said, like uh, the push-ups or whatever now is like simple pain compared to mm-hmm. like having your you know what twizzled a bunch well, so why did i mean ultimately right you talk about how dark that time frame was and what you were going through right and how gnarly it was there's several there's two routes ultimately the way that i see it out of that situation right a lot of people choose the other i wanted to yeah. I wanted to die. I was ready to kill myself. I was just, I was gambling with two people, my mom and my wife, trying to make it okay in my head with them. But at the same time, I was also gambling with myself with thinking that I had three-fourths everything. And then, like, they always say the people that kill themselves are not the people that talk about it. Well, I talked about it a bunch. And so then I was gambling with the fact that I talked about it so much that I was the boy that had cried wolf so then I was like fuck it I really want to kill myself you know what I'm saying and so uh, about 50 weeks ago something like that I just had this moment um, where uh, my wife had pitched this story to this company and they presented me with some money and I just saw how many people loved me and saw like what importance it was to really fucking make a difference and change. And like, 
Um, a couple of friends had passed away and I was just like seeing what my wife was going to have to go through to deal with fucking burying me, my family, everything, my mom, dad, everybody, brother. My brother was having a fucking baby. I was going to go home an uncle for the first time. Like, so I just got to the point where I was ready to try. And I told myself that I tried, if I tried for once, then if I didn't feel okay after all this, then it was okay for me to kill myself. That was the rationale. That was the rationality in my head that I was just going to really give it a go and give it 150% a go and like become the person as you see that I would have never become. Yeah. And, uh, but also with that being said and kind of rationalizing that, it also started numbing that feeling of wanting to die because I was loving myself again. And yeah. I was having that feeling of like, I enjoyed these small little things and they became important. And then like I could run to the mailbox and then I could run to the bridge and then I could run past the bridge and then I could run all the way around. And then yeah. I felt like a kid again, dude, because I, I wasn't bombing myself with the things like when I was a kid that I didn't have like drugs and alcohol. I, I was sober. I was clean. I, I wanted to run. I wanted to jump. I felt like I like in like a child again, almost like a young, I just wanted to play. And I got back out there and just started having a better brain to it, dude. Well, I mean, it was a, it's a huge statement that you make that you wanted to just try, right? And through that try, you found your own self-worth that you didn't even know you had. And you were on the polar opposite of that. You know what I mean? You were on the polar opposite of. I don't care about living anymore, which oh. means you couldn't see yourself. Oh. I like being negative. I'm just a negative person. It's like, it's just like a little crowd that's kind of like always been innately just to kind of hold over my head, you know, but like, it's a lot of effort to be negative. And like, I've become this person that it's odd for me now to even say this, but like, I catch myself on runs or walks or whatever and like, have my music going and the fucking sun shining through the trees and I like got my hands open and shit and I'm just like, man, today is such a good day, you know? And um, I don't say those things, but when I say those things, it does make it better for me and it is effort to make things better and I do have to get up and fucking try, you know? Uh, There's days that I don't. Yeah. And sometimes I feel good about it still, you know what I mean? But it's okay. Whatever, you know, but uh, for the most part, like, getting up and shaking the fucking frost off yourself and fucking going about your day is pretty cool now. So for everybody that is listening, what and how much do you run and what do you do now? Well, so I just, about 40 weeks ago, uh, a dude at the salon, uh, he's, it's a husband and wife uh, stylist company that works up there where my wife and I work and he, he does these Spartan things or whatever. And so he came to me with this, this idea 40 weeks ago and I kept blowing him off or whatever. And then he was like, you should, uh, you should check it out. And I said, okay. So I went on a Sunday and it was simple. It was like, not simple, but it was like some bucket carry, like man shit, like bucket carries. It was primal is what I'm trying to say. Bucket carries, sandbag carries outside, do some push ups, do some runs. I threw up. I was like, this is, not bad and so I just started doing it and then now like 40 weeks after it like if I go on a workout by myself I'll run like six miles or something like that um we're doing like the next race we do Spartan now I'm like three branches into the OCR thing obstacle course racing and my next race is like nine miles 30 something obstacles it's crazy but uh I enjoy it but it was it was a it was a way I needed my ass whooped so bad and I couldn't afford to pay a dentist to put my teeth back in my yeah. head. And this was just a perfect way to go back and censor myself back to like reality. I was like a five star diva, like couldn't go camping, had to like couldn't stay outside, you know what I mean? Like I and this put me in the dirt, this put me in the mud, that put me in a place to where um I got back in nature yeah, and that's where my connection back to my spirituality was. And so every time I went outside and ran, I was like counseling myself and going through all these things that I would like think, okay, is this enough to be a problem to go home and tell Courtney about, or 
would it not be enough? So, you know what I mean? And just, I tried to counsel myself and like go out there and if it was a eight mile run, I'd just beat that fucking dead horse and for that eight miles. And then at the end of it, was it a problem? But uh, we run a lot. We do like a, a Wednesday workout, a Sunday workout, a Monday workout. Uh, we have the watches that have the apps and they send the emails to my buddy. So he knows if I do it and they work with me. So they come by the room and they're like, you work out this morning or what do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're always up my ass or whatever. So I'm just around a lot of different people and I'm around a lot of good people. And, um, my friends definitely changed. That's yeah. for sure. And the people that I was around definitely changed, but the people that were always there have always been there though. You know, what's cool is I just thought about when you were talking about this, like the Spartan races and what you're doing. But you spent like 14 fucking years, right? Yeah. Putting obstacles in front of you, right? That you unintentionally had no idea they were there. Mm -hmm. And you thought it was normal. Mm -hmm. And you thought it was part of the process. And you thought that's what you had to do. And now that you're on the flip side. And yes, you went through a life-changing event. But on the other side of that life-changing event is you're choosing to put obstacles in front of you just to know that you're gonna just fucking fly past them. It's kind of wild, like even with you saying that, I don't even realize the, like, the magnitude of that, you know, because there's times that I come up to these obstacles and I'm like, and I'm still like, I can't get through half of them still, you know, and I have to like penalty out and they're like 30 fucking burpees on the side. So it's it sucks if you don't make it and it sucks if you make it, like it's a whole matter of suck, but you enjoy the suck. Yeah. And, uh, Man, it's it's incredible. It is incredible. I just never would have imagined it to get to that point of doing that, you know? Well, and, and like, just to drive it home for anybody that's listening to this, literally a little over a year ago, you had a fucking piss bag oh, yeah. hooked up to you. You but, saw it with your own eyes. Yes, that you were fucking <laughs> dragging around. And like some dead limb. You had a fucking piss bag hooked up to yeah. you. And that it wasn't even the end of it. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't the start of it. That wasn't like that was a middle battle. Yeah. And you know, now we're talking a year later. You're running fucking Spartan races. It's and cool. It makes me feel like doing the obstacles like you were saying will go is I go up to those things and I don't think I can climb them and I can climb them. Mm -hmm. Or if I can't, I figure out a way next to improve on doing it again. It's weird that it's just like this like regurgitation of challenges that I've always been putting myself in. Yeah. And then like this new lifestyle. But I noticed too with doing this is it. I will not go to one of those things not prepared. The preparation that goes in behind that is fun. Like it's like just a whole new world for me to kind of be this dark horse of gothic kid of this athletic world that I would have never been a part of. And it's fun and it's a step out of my boundary and it makes me uncomfortable. And my buddies intimidate the shit out of me and mm -hmm. they helped me get my man card back. And I felt like I'd kind of lost that within myself. Like, I was weak and I was coming from being super unhealthy and 14 years, man, I hadn't run since high school. Mm -hmm. So like, like I said, 19 minute mile, that was the first time I'd ran since high school. And so I just started running to the mailbox or run past it or whatever. But well, and it's, it's your 14 years and the, and the, the person that you thought you were that you wanted to be within that 14 year time frame that shit came easy to you yeah you know what i mean what you're doing now it doesn't come easy and no. you're not the popular kid mm -mm. out in the race you know what i mean no. you're not no. but it's 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 a complete 180 it's kind of funny like people look at you and be like is that dude capable? And that's like my new word is I am capable, you know, and I'm capable. And I, yeah, I get a kick out of it because I got my black fingernails and covered in tattoos and out there <laughs> bombing down miles and uh, healthy and feel good and happy. And yeah. uh, it, it is work, you know, but 
all that other work was serious work and this work just seems worth it. So if, if you could tell anybody out there that's listening to this, what would be the one thing you want to drive home? Oh, first of all, I'll just say you better drink water. Yeah. <laughs> Water is rule. That would be my one. Um, man, you gotta really start figuring out. Like, you gotta love yourself before you can love anyone else. And I, I think that's the bottom line: is you gotta stop pointing the finger at anybody else, and you gotta look in the mirror and be like, "Is this what I'm fucking about? You know? And how is this affecting everybody around me?" And um, and you got to think if these people around you are going to want to be around you in the next 10 years. You know what I mean? And so, like, you got to love yourself, man. And and that's what I thought I did, and I didn't. And I'm finally at the point where I, like, feel like I can say that. Like, I, I like myself. I like the way I look, like I was saying earlier. I'm, right now, I'm beyond what I even thought I would ever be. So like looking in the mirror is kind of a fucking joy to me now where I'm like, holy shit, I never thought I'd have done that. You know what I mean? But it's cool, dude. But I really think that if I said anything to anybody, you got to love yourself and you got to quit pointing the finger at somebody else. Yeah. It's huge. And just do it. Because like I said, the hell that you're living in your head is probably not near as bad as the suck that you're going to have to go through to make yourself better. Like, your mind is pure fucking torture. So going and doing a couple of miles and some push-ups ain't going to be shit to not make you have a gut. Yeah. Now, with the... You said that you finally can look at you and like who you are. What does that fully mean to you? I think that means, like, especially now, like, looking back at 14 years, you know, even that being, like, the topic of 14 years, like, there was a lot of trying to figure out who I was in that 14 years and, like, all of these searching for, like, that. And I've gotten to the point where I, I make me happy for me, you know, and I, I make I want to make my wife happy and I want to make my family happy. And, like, those are kind of the staples in my life. I want to be a great uncle for my soon to be nephew that's growing up you know what I mean like I've just got a couple of different strides I've... I'm sorry I'm lost I've no. touched the question so deep it's, you know what I mean but but you mean you touched on it right yeah and you touched on it and you what you said was you're, you're basically you're putting yourself first and then you said after that you want to make your wife happy and you want to make you know your family happy and have you seen putting yourself first and saying, you know, who I'm going to focus on, number one, in the morning and throughout the day is me? Has that not had trickle-down effect? 150% made me a better person yeah. and made me like myself more. And like y'all are talking about, about taking time for yourself in the morning. Like, I don't want to go work out. I don't want to get up in the morning. I don't want to do that. But when I do, I get up, I get my blood flowing. I get my, my drink in me. I get going and like, I get my, my shit done and I like myself. I got an attitude adjustment. Like it's a better version of me. And just by getting into that motion, you know what I mean? And so it's made me um, chill out and it's made me appreciate myself and it's made me like myself and it's also made me be able to start focusing around me and what's important like my wife my family yeah. these things that I'm not paying attention to that have done nothing but nurture me you know what I mean yeah. like and so that's I'm finally at a point where I feel like I can stop being like my head at my own ass and start focusing on the things that are planting positive seeds around me that are better yeah. you know what I mean and it just was a matter of like 14 years of trying to figure out who the hell I was and do all this crazy shit and be somebody else and act this way, act that way, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, hurricane to this and then bam. Yep. But man, I wouldn't take one fucking second back. I think right there we're coming up on time anyway. I think that's the most impactful statement that you can make what you just said, that you saw this happening, and yet... I liked it. Yeah. 
I liked every bit of it. I created it. I wasn't the kid that didn't get hugs or didn't get told I didn't get loved or, you know what I mean? I, I wanted a fucking problem. I created a problem and the problem put a noose around my neck. Yep. And it showed me the way that we were going to go. Yep. But it's awesome now, though. You know what I mean? And like, but there was a bunch of choices and dark alleys and creators and crazy shit that went on with that. But still made you, who you every are. second of it, dude. Yep. I love it. I think that's the a huge statement because most people spend a lot of life in regret, and the fact that you can sit here and say what you've been through that you love it and you respect it is huge. It's huge. Thanks, man. So, uh, I want to personally thank you uh, for telling the story because it's not an easy story to tell. You're welcome. And uh, the just so all you guys know, the the purpose of Kellen being here is is he wants to change and he wants to teach. Uh, and there's not much better teachings than the experience that he's gone through. Um, I do. I want to thank you because it's not it's not easy to get up and share some of that. Shit. It's my pleasure, and I'm learning too. I have no clue where this is going either, and it's like sitting here for the first time doing this is exposing all of these feelings that I've only talked to myself when I'm running about. So it's cool for me because I'm healing, and I love talking to people, and I love the ability to if I can help somebody in a situation like we go back to of not knowing you're in it when you're in it I would love to help you yeah because it's a whirlwind and well we'll have uh, so just everybody that's on um, Kellen will be tagged on this uh, so whenever we post it uh, this this post will go up on Sunday uh, so he'll be tagged uh, if you want to reach out to him uh, hit him up um, you'll see him uh, follow us uh, again on Instagram uh, and on Facebook and once again thanks bro man I appreciate it yeah